Last time we saw this in the context of people who are in shackles, but outwardly they appear to be okay. In contrast to this man who is visibly and outwardly under a demonic oppression and possession. We spoke briefly about how many, many people are slaves to the devil. There are many demons controlling their lives, but from the outside, they look like anyone else. They go to work and they do so many normal things. Yet the devil is happily taking them to hell daily as people are going into eternity with no surrender to Jesus Christ. There are many things in this chapter, deliverances and healings. And let's start from verse 1 again. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. His strength was not his own, even as the strength that Samson possessed to pull up the city gates and to destroy many enemies and to tear a lion as he would tear a young kid of the flock. It is a supernatural power, the one with Samson from the Spirit of God, and this one, the demons were pushing this man to the limit and then supplying him with a supernatural, in a negative sense, demonic power where he pulled apart chains and shackles were broken by his own hands, his own arms. No one could tame him. Particularly when we think about the type of metals back then, the type of uh, manufacturing. They didn't have all the different alloys and uh, mixtures, cheap production. These things were heavy duty. They easily came apart because this man was possessed with demons. No one could tame him. At this point, I'd like to point out an incident as um, I was a part of some years ago. I saw a young child playing 
the piano in an uncanny way. The speed was just uncanny. It was not normal. I've seen people practice. I've practiced before. I know what speed looks like, but this was abnormal, especially for a child that age. The intensity and it was a force. And so with many feats that people can do all over the world, there's some things that transcend human skill, human soul, human ability altogether. There's something else going on. And Vaskarva actually pointed that out. This is years ago. The moment she saw it, she knew something more to this than human. And of course, these people, majority of people in the world, in music and the arts, they are actually carefully guided by Satan. And it becomes a platform to draw people's attention. Same thing with dance. Same thing with other things people can do with their bodies or their charisma. They can only come from one of two sources, either from the Holy Spirit, in which case the glory will be to the Lord Jesus. There will be a true humility and true self-surrender, self-denial. But just as with uh, tongues and supernatural phenomena, it could be the source from the other side, which is hell. There's a caution that I learned some years back as I was much into the arts and those things, and sports, that because someone has achieved something and it seems to stand above the crowd, doesn't mean that it happened with no demonic input or supernatural input from above. The reason it's important, important is by means of talent and charisma, the devil baits even many, many Christians. There's a common ground. According to our interests and according to our curiosity, the devil will set up his wares, set up shop and see what will get our attention. For some people it will be politics, other people it will be the sciences and other people philosophy, other people dance and arts, other people it will be food and travel and whatever it is. When we don't have every single appetite surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, it becomes a potential area of baiting for Satan. In the way he would present it is as harmless. But the supernatural power that can dominate a human being may not be such as we see here in Mark chapter 5 all the time. There's such a disorder that there's violence involved and a a display of superhuman power. 
it may be a very controlled display, quote-unquote, of an uncanny ability. This is similar to people who, in other religions and certain gurus and other philosophies, they can walk on a bed of nails with bare feet, or they can lie on it, or they can pass through fire. It's not simply willpower. There's a demonic thing involved. First of all, the feet, this speaks of potential injury or death to the human body, the human being. And what happens like that Harry Houdini, they will keep pushing it to all the crowds, but they're led by demons, and eventually they can lose their life and the soul. And this is why we discourage people from ever using the term magic. We never use the magic of Christmas or the magic of uh, evangelism or the magic of this. It speaks of a power, an ability. We want to speak about only miracles. Because whatever power the devil has, whatever sorcery, it will always lead to death and deception and death. And that's why some of the super pop groups of the 60s, if you look at their histories, worldwide uh, magnetism. Same thing with certain rock and roll singers and whatever singers there are today. It doesn't have to be someone touted as new age per se. It can be anyone, even a person who's a gospel singer. Now we are able to see how deceived so many people are. Not knowing these things. What do they do? They like a tune, they like some of the words, and they follow this and that, and there's an effect on them when they engage in that. It's a very critical lesson to learn that Whatever we give our eyes and ears to, unless we are 100% certain that the Spirit of God has approved of it, we open ourselves to some kind of demonic influence. Not to cause us to fear and walk paranoid, but to be wise. It is a maturity, there's a growth in understanding. This man was obviously bound. But he also had an obvious manifestation of demonic power coming through his body and breaking chains and shackles. No one could tame him. Furthermore, it was not just a superhuman feat of breaking these restraints. He was in tremendous torment himself. And that's what the devil does. Pop groups, as I mentioned, I was very fond of them growing up. It just caught my attention. I will never forget, in third grade, we went to the Empire State Building in New York City, once the tallest building in the world, a long time ago. But they had the Guinness Hall of Records, these feats that people do all over the world, and they make it to this uh, record, Hall of Fame. I remember as an eight-year-old or so, 
hearing for the first time the Beatles. Of course, it was before my time, but I heard the music, which just instantly drew my attention. I went home tapping my fingers, trying to recreate the beat or whatever I heard, and before you know it, I was hooked on that, listening to it. And But it came in the guise of harmony and certain arrangements of music and the whole thing was a, it was a truly magical kind of draw and so you may say for yourself certain so-called artists and groups that you've listened to or been exposed to or anything you've been exposed to that drew your attention the problem was the devil seldom comes with the, the bad terrifying stuff up front it will come in a clean way so much so that it said that Billy Graham himself when he saw these people this group come on the national television in America in the early 60s they wanted his opinion you see the devil was busy trying to get the pass from uh, the world famous evangelist and he said I don't see anything wrong with them they seem to be clean cut When you see their lifestyle, you see the end. It's nothing short of tragic because there's an utter defiance against the truth. There's a, an imitation for drugs, immorality, all those things. But you dress them up to look like good young lads with musical talent and the ability to please everybody. And they land millions of dollars in their 20s. They continue to write about relationships outside of marriage. Such a pervasive influence, but you see, that's how the enemy comes. I remember, as still as a child, maybe the next year or the year after, I heard a song but imagine there's no heaven I knew even as a child this is from the devil I knelt down with my little sister and we got rid of the tapes whatever I had of course I need to get stronger but the spirit of God will show when we're seeking God we need to know as we're looking at chapter 5 of Mark Demons are always vying for your attention and my attention. And they'll never come the way we think most of the time. They come with an interesting Facebook post. They come with an interesting news bit. It may be through the media or maybe through hearsay on your job. Truly, this citadel, this capital of our hearts, can be guarded only when the gates are kept tightly shut to anything that doesn't belong there. It's a lesson that uh, we have to learn and only those who have any kind of wisdom from the Holy Spirit will know how important it is to keep on being vigilant. Because the more the enemy sees that our fortress is impregnable, the more he'll be 
doing double duty and overtime to find out if there's any crack or opening anywhere, even a tiny bit somewhere. Never let your guard down. We encourage each other as we see the day approaching. We have to stand before the Lord and see whether we use our time, our energy, our eyes, our ears, anything that is foolish and evil. Jesus had to come and set this man free. And Jesus is the one who set me free and set you free. But as the disciples were with him, they were constantly learning, and so we must be constantly learning. Lord, take me deeper so I can be protected, be wise, no longer be simple-minded or a simpleton, which the Lord cautions against often, especially in the book of Proverbs. Because it means an open door to trouble and destruction. As we see in the book of Judges, the generation that was a little bit compromising gave birth to another generation that was more compromising and so on. To the point where in the book of Hosea, the Lord says, when your daughters and your wives commit adultery and prostitution, He said, I won't punish them the way you think I should, as if it's a huge shock. You know why? Because they're already working as such among the people. Everybody's gone into wholesale spiritual fornication and physical fornication. Everything is upside down. That's because somebody allowed TV into the house. All they did was watch the Yankees. They gathered the kids around and as they watched, all of a sudden they saw an advertisement for a prime time show here and that one and this one and all kinds of uh, messages bombarding them and without their understanding, they're taking it in, drinking it. And everybody goes to sleep after watching a good game. But in between, so many things have happened. Same thing with so-called innocent kids cartoons doesn't have to be something explicitly stating uh, the good witch. It can be anything. So what shall we do? The Lord says, be sober, be vigilant, be adversary. The devil is uh, going about. He's on the prowl like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Someone may hear this this morning and say, I've, I've gone through all of this and our home is tightly shut from any influence of evil. We don't allow our children to watch anything that's not wholesome. That's the thing. The question is, what is wholesome? How do you define wholesome? The more we get close to the Lord, He'll show us what really is wholesome. And many things that we thought were wholesome, really 100% convinced with other Christians and even leaders, this is really wholesome for the children. It teaches them morals and everything, what happens. So many things come in between from the devil to wear down at anything you might have taught your children 
about godliness or separation from the world. Jesus came and set this man free. He was tormented always night and day. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. That is a man filled with uh, demons, unclean spirit, run to Jesus and worship him. This is not a worship because of relationship. This is out of fear. He was terrified. The demon was terrified. He drove the man. He, there's a frenzy going on. It's like um, when you turn on an intense light bulb. Intensely uh, luminescent light bulb. Or your front porch light. All of a sudden, the bugs start bouncing and crashing into each other and into the light bulb, and they seem to go into a frenzy. They're overpowered by the light. So he ran and fell, worshipped. It is not the worship that's going to save him, certainly not the demon. And the words betray what kind of worship this was. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So the devils know that God will torment them. He'll put an end to all of their mischief. And that's the great confidence in our lives. Because with the word, the Lord set the man free. And he's, for he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit, then he asked him, what is your name? Now, in verse 2, it says, he had an unclean spirit. And then here, it says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Out of Mary Magdalene, the Lord cast out seven devils. People who are not surrendered to the Lord, they could very well have more than one demon sitting inside of them. But they may look very pretty and very refined and very funny, very jovial, very studious, very athletic. So many people and parents and Christian leaders are deceived by appearances. God said, don't be like that. Because it will come to your home. Never ever judge by appearances, as Jesus said, but judge righteous judgment. You want to see the fruit of someone's life. As I mentioned yesterday, not just works externally. Does a person really have a fear of God? Are they really surrendered to the truth where all they know is they've got to obey the Lord? God Almighty in their life, every area, finances, marriage, education, job, recreation, everything. Not have a heart that's divided and paint a good picture for other people, 
but really not care what people think at all, but care what the Lord thinks and walk blamelessly before Him. Come out of the man unclean spirit. And He cast out these devils, but there's an allowance here as his demons begged him. Verse 11 now. Verse 10. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. No large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. This is only for Jesus Christ. No one is ever commanded to have a conversation like this. We don't have the authority to divert them. There's a purpose that the Lord did it. He has his own divine prerogative. He wanted to show how deadly Satanist demons are. Many of us see that every day, graphically, in the news. Every local county, every city, every state, every nation on the face of the earth in various degrees witness daily unnecessary deaths, unnecessary entrance into hell from multitudes. They don't report that in the news. They don't speak the truth on that, which is the greatest tragedy. It's not simply someone fell asleep. They're consciously alive, burning torment forever, never able to get out. Why? Because of one overdose, one foolish prank, one misjudgment thinking they were clever another adulterous affair and they'll be safe caught up in some love triangle senselessly murdered but there was senseless choices made also they have eternity to pay for that crime because they wouldn't take the Lord Jesus forgive them and repent what shall we do shall we ignore the fact and the truth and read the gospel as some isolated literature that makes us feel good and gets our needs met? Or is it a revelation of how many demons are wrecking havoc in your family, perhaps, and certainly in your neighborhood and throughout the world, to show what these demons are about? The Lord allowed this to take place to show that they come to steal, kill, and destroy. And they begged them, send us to the swine that we may enter them. The human being is far more important than animals because God didn't make any animal in the image of God, only human beings. And so the Lord allowed the death of some 2,000 pigs to save a man's life and soul. Often we see that when the devil comes to destroy human life, God in his mercy may divert an angel of death to destroy an animal. We've seen that happen before. And the human being has been spared. It takes more insight, more growth, maturity for most people to understand the dynamics. But the more we get closer to God, the Lord will show. We'll see the big picture.
will be eternally grateful. So all the demons begged them, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. <coughs> and at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 in the herd, ran violently, like the man was violent. He was cutting himself and tormented, crying day and night among the tombs and breaking these shackles and chains. There's violence. These swine appeared to be calm before the demons entered. The moment the demons entered, it was suicide. They ran violently, the entire herd of them. Can you imagine the scene to see? A few thousand, the instant the demons entered, going to kill themselves. And they did. They were driven. The herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Who can deliver from death? Who can deliver a person that's driven? By demons? What man can stand against the devil? No one. Not one human being apart from the grace of God. But with the power of God the devils will be driven away. A person can be free no more torment that I, I may die I may do this I may do that and I don't know if I can be stable the person comes near the Lord and gets touched by the Lord tremendous hope comes in a brand new life a life free from paranoia and fear and anxiety and torment and negative thoughts these are all from Satan Speaking of death and destruction and negative things. Lord Jesus said, I haven't come to give you life and that more abundantly. This man experienced this, but we see the contrast. What happened to these swine? So those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. People are longing for deliverance. Many people for their loved ones, for themselves. Some life-controlling power has come into them. Their power is the devil. Every addiction other than the one addiction that the Bible speaks of that is good and noble, addiction to the ministry, genuine ministry. Every addiction is fueled by a real demon, at least one, usually more than one. So a person who is addicted is under the domination of a devil not different from these devils that possess this man. As I mentioned at the outset, the manifestations are different. The source is the same because it is destroying the person. A human being was made in the image of God to be free, to prosper, to be a blessing to God, to enjoy God's presence and all His goodness. That becomes perverted and the person begins to harm themselves himself or herself and other people 
directly or indirectly. You can be sure. Not an imposter, not some lesser devil, but the same devil is there to try to destroy them, take them to hell. He just needs an avenue. And they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed had been demon-possessed and had the legion. No more. He's free. And therefore, he's able to be properly clothed in his right mind. He's sitting calmly and peacefully. And they were afraid. We just saw in the previous chapter about the way the Lord calmed that raging storm. And they feared then, the disciples. And over here, the people in this region feared. Because God was demonstrating that he has the power to liberate us from all our fears and all our troubles. Something we've never seen before. No one has seen before until Jesus came in. So the hope continues. What you have tasted for yourself from the Lord Jesus, if you really have tasted the Lord, you have something to hold on to that God can do for my family. Provided you follow Jesus yourself. Otherwise it will be a vain wish. As we witness tragically, many, many Christian families wish, but they end up in tragedy. They lose souls in their own families because they never understood that they can't be soft on sin or the devil in their home. And they need to fear the living God and say things are going to change around here. We're going to honor the Lord. If you don't want to honor the Lord, you don't come in here. You can't defile this house anymore. But when a Christian is lukewarm, they begin to backslide themselves, state of backsliding, I should say, then the words are meaningless. When someone says, we'll pray for you and God loves you, because the children or the spouses or whoever is around, they look at this person that's talking about Jesus and hope and church, the demons will laugh at them. Do they know? You have no obedience in your own life. How can you come and tell us that we can be set free? You're bound yourself. How do you know when somebody is no longer bound by the devil? It's not only when they no longer are addicted to drugs, heroin, whatever it is. It's not only when a person has been broken free, free from the addiction to pornography, adultery. It's not only when they are broken free from gambling, <clears throat> But you really know that they are free from the devil's domination in their lives. When everything they do in the course of a day is with one passion, to love and honor the Lord Jesus Christ, truly. That's not there. You can be sure, whether it's a mother, a father, a child, young or old, there's room for the devil in that life. It's important to notice the contrast here, what happened to this herd of swine, to show how there's no neutrality, there's no soft corner in the devil's heart for anyone. He's out to kill, and unless we deal with him as a violent murderer, he will set up shop in your family and your house. 
We have to get them out by turning to the Lord Jesus ourselves. Fully. And when he had gotten into the boat, now they, these people feared, and they began to plead with him to depart from their region. It's a sad reaction. You see someone who's come with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to deliver, and they witness that, but they say, we don't want this. We, what we want is uh, religion the way we like it, and When he had gotten into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. I told them, go. Be a witness. Don't fall into the same trap again. There are too many people who are not sent by the Lord they might have gotten delivered from one habit or one destructive addiction. Right away they want to be an evangelist and go and baptize people and go sing at the top of their lungs and be part of the choir. And They're half-baked. What ends up happening is they get dragged down with the other people they're trying to help. They seek somewhere for restoration. Sad. But in this case, the Lord had confidence because a real, total, radical deliverance had happened to the core level. And at this juncture, the Lord told this man, you don't have to be with me. I'm going to go with you. You go home and broadcast the message, what I've done for you, how I've had compassion on you. And he departed. See how we know the Lord knows what he's doing. He departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. Did he go back to the tomb? Did he look for companions over there and say, to this friend and that friend, give me one of those stones. Let me see if I can cut the way I used to. Do you have a beer anywhere? I'm on my way to testify about the Lord, but I'm taking a little detour, a little break. No, he was someone who the Lord appointed and he knew he's going to do the job. Can God trust you to do the job? All he's done for you. You won't hold back. If he's told you to speak, you will open your mouth. There's so many people, doesn't matter what profession, how they appear, what they have in their pockets. If they don't have Jesus, they have devils. That's the truth. There's no neutral ground. There's no vacuum anywhere, anytime. Even the man that was swept clean on the inside. Lack of occupation by God on the throne of his heart meant that the devil just took a little outing. He was still in charge. He just came back to his house. reality must be held in our eyes and our hearts stamped with eternity constantly. Otherwise we will not be sharp but we become dull in how we evangelize and why we evangelize and we need to know the nature of the battle 
need to know that we have to be ready to speak when God says speak. And make sure you're obeying God. Because if you don't, what you speak will not be effective. It'll be a waste of time. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. On one occasion, the Lord says, don't tell anyone. This occasion, he says, go tell. It's important to know what the Lord says to do. We really need to hear from the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. We really have to put ourselves into the story. What if you had a little daughter? All of a sudden she took ill. And everybody says she's going to die. That's the state with which this man approached the Lord Jesus. This ruler <clears throat> fell at the feet of Jesus. And he begged him earnestly. Can you imagine the emotion with which he said these words? She's dying. She's dying. Come, lay your hands on her. She may be healed and she'll live. Please. So Jesus went with them and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. This shows that the Lord can handle everything. He didn't say, look, I'm focusing on this man's daughter. I can't be distracted right now. No. He's a God of compassion and a God of power. We can trust the Lord to come through for everything, everything that we need him for. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. If you have a calendar and you put a start date that this issue within the body has started at such and such date and it's not just staying there, it's getting worse. And to add to that trauma and torment, the so-called experts are robbing this person blind with no betterment whatsoever. Utter hopelessness. And she suffered at the hands of the doctors. Many things she suffered. Oh God, she had spent all that she had and was no better. It rather grew worse. That's what happened Esther last year, November. It was absolute torment. I can hardly think of it, what I saw, what I witnessed, what they did to her. They were demon-possessed, there's no question. 
every one of the staff, virtually, every one in the different places. The devil is after her soul because she's doing damage to his kingdom. By standing up for the Lord and speaking his truth everywhere, showing God's love. She suffered. That was her cross. She was in a different context than this woman. This woman didn't really know the Lord. But Esther knows the Lord. She knew the Lord. And she knows the Lord. The Lord allowed tremendous suffering for her. But at the point when everything came to a head, the devil literally grinned through that chief neurologist the Children's Hospital in Westchester. And he adamantly refused to stop any seizure that may come overnight, which could have killed her. We were at our wit's end. And he walked away. And he said, I've given clear instruction to the staff not to help her. We're horrified. God came through. Around 3, 3.30 that morning, he came into the room. And he spoke to his beloved and he healed her instantly. That very morning, I remember on the side of the bed during the morning call, she could hardly move a muscle. She was on her face with the hospital gown and the EKG leads attached to her, glorifying God. Some of you heard that. This woman, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. This was the sensibility, this was the understanding that she gathered. She was terminally ill. Her only hope was Jesus. She made sure she got his attention, or at least got to touch him. She came behind in the crowd and touched his garment. She understood that if I could touch his clothing, I know I'm going to be well. She had faith that the Lord had power in his body. Now she would come to find out that he's also a God of tremendous compassion. She wanted to touch the power source to destroy her disease. But she found much more than that. She got a relationship for eternity with the Lord. Immediately, now she's saying this sentence these sentences in her mind verse 29 shows that she actually followed through with that she did touch his clothing immediately the fountain of her blood stopped it was dried up and she felt in her body she had a a real experience in this case both subjective and objectively she was released 
from this bondage and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. What a liberating thing. When the lungs are closed and I can take a deep breath, I don't have to worry about it setting off an attack if I breathe too much or laugh too much. To have the freedom to be normal, it's coming out of prison. She felt the healing within her body. Somehow she felt that the issue of blood, uh, the hemorrhaging stopped. She felt it. She was in a crowd. She was in public. She didn't check anything visually. But she instantly felt it because the power had gone into her from the Lord. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched me? My clothes. Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you. You say, Who touched me? Everyone's touching you. You can't help it. It's a crowd. They didn't get what he was saying. So what he did was he proceeded to look around. He didn't have time to explain to them. He wanted to see who received her miracle by pressing in to him with faith. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. He's a personal God. He didn't just say, somebody touched me, somebody got healed, let's keep going. The Lord is one-on-one. He loves each one of us individually. He's the kind of God that would take us. As a loving parent, would take a little child and hold those little cheeks and these adult hands ever so gently, look into the eyes, communicate genuine love. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman hearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her. She didn't know what was going to happen. She knew she got something and it was not authorized, perhaps. She didn't know the Lord. She came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. The Lord has established truth here. Anyone with faith And the living God has been authorized by God to come and get the miracle. And he said to our daughter, your faith has made you well. The faith needs to be strengthened. It's the faith that needs to be strengthened. Amidst everything Satan does, the faith needs to be fueled by more of the word of God, more of the promises of God more connection with God, more prayer, more refusing to stay in this condition. And it takes prayer. There's God's timing involved. There are other dynamics that the common person may not understand, even the common Christian. I should say the average Christian. Because there's a path of a cross. There's another scenario altogether. And yet, it's still God's supernatural faith that rises at a certain point. God's decree 
to overtake the forces of hell that is responsible, that are responsible for causing such devastation in the believer's life, and even in the church. We must continue to praise God and continue to pray, continue to expect that Satan's darkness will be overtaken altogether. And the result will be genuine peace everywhere, the total healing of the affliction. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. Be healed of your affliction. A big blow for the devil. He lost not only a body, he lost a soul to Jesus. But he's still working on another place here to try to take the young child's life of this ruler of the synagogue. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Can you imagine the grip of fear that would have come upon that man? But all my hopes was Folks were set on this, and now I haven't even gotten there, and I'm getting this news. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed, loudly. There's a big commotion there. Death has come. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. The Lord perceived. She hasn't been given over to the point of no return. He said about Lazarus, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but he said plainly, he's dead. In other words, when the Son of God comes, the death appears to be just asleep and he wakes them up out of it. Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. I'm here. Death can't stand in my presence. And they ridiculed him and when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked. She was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. See, in this case, he said, don't tell about it yet. And said that something should be given her to eat. She's alive. She needs to get back to her normal functions. The Lord came and death fled. May the Lord of resurrection come closer to you as you get closer to him to drive every devil out and it will happen where peace will come absolute healing will come because he has not changed
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals, delivers, and saves. This is our faith, and the faith needs to be fueled and increased, completely resting upon the Lord God Almighty. And He alone will get all the glory. And all the mischief of Satan will be put down, and we will flourish according to the divine calling that He's given to us to do the greater works He has called us to do until He returns. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whoever would like to pray, can go ahead and pray.